This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. You're listening to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. At least you better be. Welcome to the Mostly Harmless Podcast. I'm your host, Damon Damien. All right, buddies. Boy, oh boy, oh boy, do we got a special show for you today. Because today we're sitting down with one of my all-time favorite bass-playing vocalists, Dan Andriano from Alkaline Trio, Slapstick, Tuesday, and now The Emergency Room. And of course, this new band uh, features members of, I was rattling this off the other night of the show and I was like, man, there'd probably be a hundred more people if they had mentioned this in there. Um, He's on tour, of course, with Jeff Rosenstock, but the members of their shared band include Dan Podhast from MU330, who's been on the show, Um, Mike from Hard Girls, who's also been on the show, Uh, the drummer of the Bruce Lee band, whose name I forget at the top of my head, Um, geez, and so many other talented people and musicians. Uh, Josh from Bomb the Music Industry is also there. And honestly, if there's anybody else I'm I'm forgetting, I I apologize. I've had a few to drink, as is the point, as is the case. Um, But no, I've been after this chat with Dan Andriano for a long, 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 long time. Uh, When they were here just a few months ago playing the Past Live series, uh, where they play um, all their albums, you know, they did the first one and the last one and the second one, you know, they played all their albums in Denver. I was tweeting at Dan Andriano over and over and over again, trying to get him to sit down and chat with me. Uh, Probably a little creepy, a little stalkery, but uh, apparently it paid off. Uh, And we're going to talk about that here once we get into the interview. But this is a long time coming. And uh, I'm, I'm going to describe this to you guys. You know, here's the thing about mostly harmless. Mostly harmless is is a lot like a first date. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Usually, usually it's harmless. Well, mostly harmless. You get it? Um, I, I'll be the first one to admit I'm not a professional interviewer. I, I think of these shows as more chats, and uh, I, I do think I do like the uh, first date analogy about this show. And imagine yourself, um, you know, imagine God. I can't even imagine me as a dorky kid in high school going on a date. But imagine yourself going on with this person that you've had a huge crush on your whole life, or weeks, months, whatever. Somebody you've thought of and you've done this over and over and over and over and over in your head uh and then what happens when you finally sit down in front of them and get to talk to them especially after a pot of coffee as i usually do and i kind of just word vomited all these things out to dan throughout the course of this interview and i listen and of course i'm kicking myself and i'm just like ah and you always you always second guess yourself i'm like why did i do this why did i say this why didn't i ask this question there why did i let this thought lie and you know all you can do is hopefully learn from these events um but again you know this isn't a great show this is what it is i'm like conan o'brien you're a punk rock podcasting um but here's something that's cool that got to happen at the end of the day i got to sit down and talk with somebody i've always loved and respected dan andriano um, you can't take that away from me. I can't take that away from myself. It's something I got to on my own. And what I like to talk about on 
mostly harmless. And what I like to point out is uh, anybody can do what I'm doing. I'm just a just a goofy 34 year old kid with a with a tape recorder who went out and made things happen. And you can do it too. Um, if you want to be a photographer, if you want to be a musician, if you want to be a podcast host or do zines or do comic books, you can meet your heroes. And sometimes they're as great as you expect. While I wish I'd been a better Damien in this interview, um, I still got to do the thing I always wanted to do. It might lead to a second day down the road. Maybe we can build something off of this and make a meaningful, lasting relationship with Dan Andriano, the guys from Michelin Trio. Maybe we can keep this ball, ball and chain rolling. So I don't, I don't want you to think it's a terrible interview, but I, I don't feel like I performed my best. And uh, please come back next week. Next week I have a drunken, ridiculous interview with Mr. Jeff Rosenstock um, that I can't wait to share with you guys. And um, it, it, what a bunch of sweethearts everybody in that in that group is. And they're still on tour right now. Please go check them out in, in, in your town coming closer to you. And check out Dan Andriano's Emergency Rooms uh, record. It's fantastic. I love it. You're going to love it. If you like Dan songs, you're going to like it. I was really, really shocked at how many people left after he played and didn't stick around for Jeff Rosenstock, who also put out one of my favorite records of the year. Uh, but that's for next week's interview. Uh, before we get to the chat, I just want to let you guys know I just got home from a meeting with uh, my longtime sponsor and my good friends at Ratio Beerworks. Ratio is Denver's punk rock brewery located at 2920 Larimer Street in Denver's Rhino District. Uh, they are a punk rock brewery. They have beers like Repeater, named after Fugazi, New Wave, named after Against Me, Domestica, named after Kurt and oh so many others that I can't think off off the top of my head even though I was just drinking them all just about an hour ago. Uh, but Ratio's got a lot of cool stuff coming up. I've got a little lot of cool stuff coming up with them, so stay tuned. Uh, I just want to plug that they've got a new release going on this weekend. Uh, they have a Wild on the Streets Ale. It's going to be a fantastic beer. I've already had a little sample, buddies. It's great. Uh, they have a bottle release planned for Thursday the Thursday, August 13th, they've only got like 75 bottles available of this new brew, but Friday the 14th, they're going to be doing a, uh, a draft release of the Wild on the Streets draft. You can have it in their tap room, uh, and guess what? I get to book a couple punk rock bands that are going to be playing. We haven't 100% confirmed the local bands that are going to be playing, but it's going to be a good, fun time had by all, so venture over to RatioBeerWorks.com and find out more. Um, we're hoping to announce the first film in the upcoming Mostly Harmless film Q&A series uh, with this episode, but unfortunately we've hit a timing snafu and have to reschedule with the, uh, the guest involved. Rest assured, I watched this movie all the time in high school. It's a great rock and roll flick. Um, the, the guest... Uh, the guest is going to blow you away when we finally announce it. So if you live in Denver, stay tuned to MostlyHarmlessPodcast.com for more information. Sign up for our mailing list, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, leave us a little iTunes review. We've gotten a few bad ones lately, but believe me, I, you guys with the bad reviews, you're 100% correct. That's why I like to you – know, it's mostly harmless. Damn it, Damien. It's not you know always perfect with – Perfect, perfects, and, you know, whatever. Anyway, anyway, enough rambling. Uh, we've also got a backlog of a uh, ton of new episodes. So for the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be posting two episodes a week. Uh, later this week, we're going to be posting our long-awaited uh, wrestling panel from Denver Comic-Con with local comedians Nathan Lund, Jim Hickox, comic book artist Gerard Kahanue, and Zach Kinsella. And then we got a special guest, which is pro wrestler Xander Creed. Uh, that's going to go up on Thursday. We then check back next Tuesday for my uh, 
stupid, intoxicated, but fun interview with Jeff Rosenstock from Bomb the Music Industry. Um, and it's going to be a good time, but it's a good time had by all. So let's let's get into this uh, interview with Dan Andriano. But first, l- let's listen to a song off the record. Um, I love the record. It's very similar to his solo Alkaline Trio stuff. If you like his voice, you're going to like his record. I'm a Dan guy myself. I like Matt Skiba, but I'm a Dan man. We're going to talk about that here when we get into the interview. Uh, but the, let's take it a listen to the track Enemies by Dan Andriano in the emergency room off the new record Adjacent Party, out now on Extra Mile and Asian Man Records. Dan, I'm Damien, as we uh, kind of formally met outside. Yes. Sorry for all the manic emails last time the trio were in town. Oh, no problem. I don't even know if you got any of those. I got a tweet or two, I think, if yeah. I recall. But um, 
I'd, I'd emailed Mike Park a handful of times, and he was like, well, Dan's really hard to nail down for an interview. Uh, I'll forward him the stuff and see what he thinks. And He's re- such a dick. <laughs> I'm usually fairly easy, but I hadn't really hired um, anyone to help me uh, sort all that stuff out, like a publicist. Yeah. And I've grown kind of spoiled, you yeah. know, through uh, over the years. So if what? I'm, yeah. you know, usually I just scroll through the Twitter and... Uh, if it happens, it happens. Yeah. Well, that makes me feel better because some of those emails, like uh, I went to the first, I went to the first two nights, and I had, had too many beers, and I get home and I'm sitting on my computer, inspired, and I feel like the 16 year old kid I was when I first got God damn it, and I'm like, will you please sit down and interview with me because you know th- that record meant so much to me. Here's all these stupid stories, and then I'm like, the next morning I wake up and I'm like, fuck, did I really send that? And Mike was like, I'll forward it to him. We'll see what he says. And so thankfully, he didn't forward it to you. I'll forward it to you if you want to read he some embarrassing stuff. Mike was probably like, God damn it, this kid's drunk again and being an ass. Oh, I love it. Um, but yeah, so those nights are really great. Um, it's funny. Um, I'm going to tell a real quick stupid story. I'm going to try to make it just quick. I'm long-winded, as you've already noticed. Um, first time I ever saw Alkaline Trio um, was Denton, Texas, rubber gloves with dismemberment plan. Wow. Um, long ass time ago. I was going, I was going to bring a girl with me. Okay. The girl bailed on me, but my friend Lisa was there to save the day. Um, she wanted, she just wanted, we lived in Shreveport, Louisiana. We wanted to get out of town. Dallas was where we go, went to get out of town. And uh, we're hanging out. We go see the show. I buy the CD. We're hanging out. We're hanging out. We're hanging out. Dismemberment playing were awesome. I'd never heard of them. I don't even remember why. I, I, the girl I wanted to hang out with wanted to go to the show and then when she bailed I was like well I guess I'm still going um, my friend Lisa met a guy named John Coggleton at that show he was in a band at the time called The Paper Chase a little little recording studio and whatnot. now he's a Grammy award winning producer yeah, he yeah. produced the Andrew Jackson Jihad thing those guys have been married now for a few years oh, and wow. they met because I wanted to drag another girl to an Aqualine Trio show but one of my, my fondest memories of that trip was that uh, it's a three-hour drive from Dallas to Shreveport and vice versa. And on the way back, we're listening to God Damn It for the first time. I don't even think I'd ever listened to it. And your song comes on. Um, I Forgive me, I forget the name, because back then you just, oh, it's track this on this record. Right, um, right. The Valentine's Day song comes oh, yeah. on. And I, she just skips fast forwards and goes, the song fucking sucked live, too. It's like, What? And that kind of sig- that kind of locked it in. I was like, I liked that song. I liked that guy. And I kind of knew then I was kind of in my own little. Uh, you have the legions of pun, legions of Matt Skiba fans, and you have that core, dedicated following of Dan fans. Yes. Know. And that's where I kind of figured out right then and there I fit in. Not legions, just <laughs> dozen. <laughs> One dozen. Yeah. Um, that's rad. That's a crazy story. That's funny. Me and um, John from Jeff's band. We're driving here today, and we listened to Dismemberment play it, Emergency and I, and I was like, man, I haven't heard this in a few years, and it's such a fucking good record. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't, God, because, you know, that was what, probably not 20 years ago, but that was a long time ago, and it's funny, it's funny the little details I remember. Uh, do you remember a lot of details of those early shows, those early days? Um, it's, it's weird, the ones I do remember are yeah. strange. Yeah. But yeah, Rubber Gloves, I remember, we, we were there a couple times, and uh, that's a great place. Yeah, I haven't. I, God, I mean, I left Louisiana 14 years ago, and I haven't been at the Rubber Gloves at least in 14 years. So it was probably about 16 years ago that I was there to see you guys. Um, so yeah, so but I think it was Mike from the Gamblers was 
they're from there, right? Yeah, yeah. They they started out in Denton and then moved to Austin, right. where they uh, you know, cultivated their following. Yeah. I didn't know him back. I didn't know anybody back then. I was just a dumb. Well, I think kid. he was working back there when we were playing there. Sounds about right. I think he lived across the street. I think a buddy of mine ended up sleeping on his couch for a while. Right on. But yeah, so. But a lot of the sto- the show, I talk to people about their stories, their origins, whatnot. You know, very Mark Maron stuff. If you ever listened to Mark Maron, yeah, just got into it. Oh, yeah. So my stick will be like half-assed compared to that. Um, but one of the, one of the things I like to ask is, did you what did you want to be when you grew up when you were a little kid? Oh man, I wanted to be all kinds of things. Yeah, I wanted to be Australian. <laughs> I wanted to be, uh, you know, like a. For a minute, when I was real young, I wanted to be like a, a football player. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I got really into skateboarding. And then right around the same time, I got really into uh, music. And so I guess I either wanted to be a pro skateboarder or a musician. I wanted one of, to be, them, one I of them kind of worked out. Yeah, I wanted to be a professional BMX guy yeah. or a musician or a talk show host. And I kind of, I, I kind of maybe made that memory up now. And now I'm kind of a talk show host. There you go. Um, but do you remember the first like record, the first song, the first thing that really ever grabbed you and shook you and wouldn't let you go? Um, in terms of like, yeah, in terms of th- actually realizing that music is more than just what you hear on the radio and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, uh, um, you know, I was kind of young. I was uh, I was on the swim team. And my friend, uh, me and my friend Rich, we uh, we really liked the swim team. It was super fun, and it was also fun because Rich had an older sister who was friends with like cute girls that we would just try and hang around with on the <laughs> swim team. But we were like kids, like yeah. I mean, like eleven year old kids, like young. But it was still fun to be hanging out with the girls that were a couple years older. And um, I think. It was, I mean, I know exactly who it was, but they, I think they were like sitting around listening to like Depeche Mode and like, you know, The Cure and stuff. And then, um, and we were kind of sitting in there, you know, by their weird little camp because it's a swim team. It's a lot of like downtime. You know, you play cards, you listen to music, whatever. And then you've only got a handful of events that you're actually going to swim in. So we were like hanging out there and then a Violent Femmes uh, <laughs> song came on. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This is weird and fun and I love it which know? song was it it was blister in the song oh, of course yeah. and uh you know and so we ended up I ended up making them play that whole record and I sat there like a weird little kid like forgot about you know trying to get a smooch from a cute older alternative <laughs> girl or whatever I was just listening to this this weird band that I was like I don't even I don't even understand yeah you know and then you know and then just like through skating I got into to a bunch of other stuff like I got really into like seven seconds kind of right away and uh, you know yeah from there it's the an endless list of bands the same way we we all did yeah except you came around a little bit earlier than me I at least had the uh, El Cheapo compilations to help kickstarter my gotcha thing, many of which your band was on um, when did uh, how long was it from when you heard the violent films until you picked up a guitar um, and started playing. Um, probably about a year. Yeah. Did you play anything so else? Later. What's that? Did you play anything else? Like violin, no, trumpet, I mean I tried piano. to take piano, uh, and I, I didn't stick with it. I wish I would have. Um, maybe two or three months of piano, uh, and then yeah, you know, got a. Me and my older brother got an acoustic guitar, to kind of you know share whatever. And um, 
I, I kept fucking around with it. I ended up wanting to take lessons on that. And uh, I gave up those lessons uh, just because I wanted to get more into like, you know, I was starting to learn from books, like tab books, like Led Zeppelin books and Metallica books. And um, so I quit the lessons, another huge mistake. <laughs> right. But, you know, just just kept at it. And, you know, once my skinny little fingers stopped like killing it uh it started to get really fun yeah and you were in uh so so when did slapstick come about how, how long from picking up the guitar to, oh man and you were you played you, you were a bass player for slapstick right yeah okay cool maybe I, like I, four years later yeah i mean it wasn't that long it's like i was playing guitar a little bit and then um my uh older brother was in this band uh, called Flowers in high school with a guy that was in my grade when I was a freshman and I mean we were all super young and uh, they had this dopey bass player named Travis and um, you know they played like one show in someone's backyard at a birthday party with him and he was he was a real uh, just weirdo and didn't didn't really get it so after that show they kicked him out and they asked me to like get a bass and play bass in that band and it was fun it was like real like um very influenced by like the wedding present uh and just like some fast clean like brit pop kind of stuff and um so that was fun i did that for a little bit and we played some shows in, in elgin uh around that area the suburbs of chicago where i was from uh you know with another band that was ended up being the other guys in slapstick you know that was a band called Slugbug, and then at, at a certain point it's just like you know this, these little scenes become, you know, fairly incestuous and, um, you know, Matt and Robbie called me, asked me to, you know, I'd be in this band. They were like, we want to be in a band that sounds like Operation Ivy. And I was like, fuck yeah, that sounds rad. <laughs> and so, you know, we, it was the three of us and we started playing and then we started looking for a singer. We tried out a couple different singers, tried out, we were like children. Um, <laughs> But yeah, we worked, we, you know, we had a couple different practices with a couple different singers. And then um, Matt remembered, you know, about Brendan, this band that Slugbug had played with called Gladhand once. And he was just like, he was a great front man. He was so funny and exciting. And so we got in touch with him and he came out and we, you know, it was just four of us for a little bit. All downhill from there. <laughs> Very downhill. Um, what, what I like, how old were you guys then? What, 16? I was... I was 15 when Slapstick Jeez. first started. But yeah, 16 it, when things kind of got going and yeah. then what I what I like is is like it's it's a ballsy thing to start a band, play shows. And you guys didn't really tour, but you guys traveled and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, we like, would do weekends and we we did a couple little tours. We made it all the way out to the West Coast. Um you know, we made it to each coast at least once yeah. at, before we broke up, but yeah. But like that's one of those things, and, and that's something else I talk about a lot. Is I, I'm sure you know these people. I know these people, people that are very content with you know they just go to work, they do this nine to five, then they go you know on the weekends they go to the bar, maybe they go to the movies, and that's okay for them. But at a very early age, you were reaching, grasping for so, that something more. There are a lot of people out there that are asking, waiting for somebody to give them permission to do stuff. But at like 15 years old, how did you realize you could just go do this stuff? I was just just is yeah. it well childhood ignorance maybe yeah I mean it was just me and my friends and you know and it was just getting fun yeah you know we would play shows and like all our friends would come and then 
you know, then a, a few kids from a bunch of neighboring high schools or whatever would come and there would, you know, there'd be 30 or 40 people there or, you know, or whatever. And then, you know, you start doing shows at like halls or, you know, VFW or Knights of Columbus or whatever. And there was a club in Elgin called the Turner's Club that was sort of a similar type of, it was like a hall, like a rentable hall, whatever. And um, it was, yeah, it was just pretty, pretty crazy. It was like, yeah. wow, we're doing this. These seem yeah. like shows. These yeah. seem like concerts. There's a stage. There's people here. Was it ever hard for you? I mean, I know there are challenges along the way, but it's, it seems like, at least for me and my little things that I do, like just the hardest part is that first step and then everything else comes really easily. Yeah, I mean, it, honestly, I don't remember it ever seeming that hard. Like, I was never, like, scared to do it or anything just because, again, it was like me and, like, me and Matt and Robbie, as soon as we started playing together, we were, like, instantly, like, best friends, you know? So it was just, like, me and... And and same with when Brendan came out, you yeah. know. So it's just us. We we're just friends, and it didn't matter if it was gonna, what was gonna happen. We'd either be hanging out like in the woods at a bonfire, like drinking or you know, looking for weed or something, <laughs> or we we could go play a show. It's like either way, we were gonna be together. So we may as well play these shows. They're fun. Yeah. Um, switching gears a little bit. One one, one there's one thread in every interview that I've read with you just about every interview and even if it's not in that interview it's laying there underneath we've already mentioned it once but uh mike park yeah how did you meet mike park uh slapstick played a show with skank and pickle yeah at the metro and yeah i mean mike was there mike you know mike i think he had heard of the group like we had i think maybe at that point we had done something with like less than jake and they were on dill records um you know, so my, I think Mike had heard of the group and, you know, we, we ended up opening that show and Mike came out and he, he just told us he wanted to do stuff, you know? Yeah. And Mike's just such a great dude. It's like once, I don't know, once you start doing stuff, sort of friends forever. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, we did a record with Dill and then Dill kind of disbanded and Mike started Asian Man. And we started recording another record. Oh no, it's about so to get loud. Yeah, Can you want to pause, okay. pause yeah. it? Yeah, we got it. Um, Let's shut that door real quick. Yeah. Get out. Here, I'll go give them the. Sorry. Shut door. Yeah, uh, thanks, Evan. Um, <laughs> good job. Way to go. <laughs> Such a good door shutter. I, um, I interviewed Evan about two years ago and I was so hungover. Oh, and, nice. But uh, listening back, it ended up pretty good. Yeah. We talked a lot about Pearl Jam. Sure, it was all right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, we ended up, then we started recording a record that was going to be um, the first record on Hellcat, which was a part of Epitaph. And then we broke up. Oh, and so Mike re-released our first record and the six songs that were going to be on Hellcat. Uh, as like a sort of slapstick anthology on Asian Man, and you know, and then, you know, a couple of years, you know, then we started another band called Tuesdays. I liked know. Tuesday. Thanks. I wish it did. I mean, it did what it did. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it was cool. I like it too. Do you ever revisit that? Um, no. No. <laughs> you mean like in terms of maybe play some shows yeah. again? Um, no. 
Yeah, never it hasn't come up yet. Yeah, those songs don't work its way into your sets now or anything. Either. No, I mean I've played. I did a, gee whiz. Yeah, like Buffalo's up there. Yeah, not very good soundproofing down here. Um, I did. I've done a couple Tuesday songs here and there, very very infrequently, like by myself. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, it's all right. So, wow, it is creaky. Yeah. It, um, it gets pretty loud when they, the shows start playing up here, down here too. It's all right. Um, so yeah, Mike Mike Park. How how often do you talk to Mike Park a day? Oh well, at least at least three or four times a week, yeah. you know. But on the, on tours like this and stuff, I'll call him like almost every day. Yeah. Yeah. Would you talk to him even if you weren't putting a record out with him right now? Just like, oh, hey, yeah. Mike, what's going on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are you, dude? It's cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm. He's like one of my one of my bros, and yeah, I mean, even before I was doing Hurricane Season or whatever, the last Emergency Rim record, you know, I was always in touch with them. And Alkaline Trio hasn't hasn't done stuff on Asian Man for for years. Yeah, and that's what I like is like you know in all those interviews, I was like, well, I was talking to Mike one day, and he said, you know, he gave me this idea, or you know, even interviews from like years ago, it's like, oh yeah, me and Mike, yada yada yada. Yeah, he's just um, someone that I really respect someone that I can call and talk to about like anything you know and when you have a relationship like that with someone it's it's really easy to to be open and frank and and then you know decide whether or not you want to take their advice but you at least know it's coming from a, a good place you know yeah yeah uh, we did it I did an interview once with him uh, right after September 11th it was the plea for peace tour um, here in Denver uh, Matt was on it but I don't believe you were right and uh, it was a great talk. I wish I had the audio for it too, because just his voice just carries. I, I've been meaning to make it out there to talk to him again, but I haven't had a chance yet. But just connecting with him, like he was—he's still a hero of mine. Um, but more like I can email him and he'll email me back, kind of deal. I don't yeah. know. It's—it's it's kind of cool to meet your heroes like that. Yeah, he's um, a great one. Uh, what, what kind of—I mean, uh, you guys kind of grew up together. I know he's a little bit older. But what kind of lessons do you learn from working and hanging out and living with a guy like Mike Park? Um. Well, I try not to learn too much from him these days. <laughs> but, uh, no, I mean, he's just, he's good at, like, uh, helping me sort of main, maintain some sense of, like, groundedness, yeah. being grounded. Um, you know, not that I ever get too uh, too ahead of myself, but it's, you know, he just, he's good at, like, uh, reminding you of what's really important. You know what I mean? And it's like, we, you know, at this point, this is what I do for a living. I've got a family. You know, there's things that are important, obviously, like uh, economic, financial things. But it's not always the most important. You know, it's it's got to be a part of it, but it's not. A, it doesn't have to be all of it. And, you know, and so like just, yeah, yeah, like all that kind of stuff. You know, and then like in in this this new band and this new project. You know, what was it? You called Mike one day, like, what do I do with this? And go, shh, sit on this. And he put together a whole band for you on recordings. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Like, I, I was a huge fan of the Hard Girls record. Yes. And, um, you know, I'd never, I hadn't met Jeff. And I didn't really know much about Bomb the Music Industry. Uh, but Mike was like, you know, yeah, Mike told me to, you know, come out to San Jose, make a record, you know, just cheap, quick, whatever, like just sort of old school just have the songs ready and come out and play with some good players and when you go home you'll have a record and uh 
you know, and he, he suggested maybe working with Jeff in terms of like being like a producer or whatever, someone just to help kind of write a little bit. And, um, and I was like, I don't know what he's, what he's up to, you know. Uh, and Mike was telling me that he's like a killer musician and can play like almost everything. But um, so Mike sent me uh, the Smith Street Band record. Yeah. And I uh, was like, Jeff, just finished recording this. Listen to it. It's good. And I listened to it. And I was like, fuck, this is really good. Really good. Like, Jeff did this? And he's like, yeah, he went to Australia and did it for like six weeks. And I was like, shit, I'll, I'll totally work with him. You know, <laughs> so we got in touch. And then I was like, you know, started talking with them about who, who we were going to play with. And, you know, Mike Huguenor came up, obviously, and Kevin... Uh, who's Mike's drummer and Jeff's drummer and so things all kind of worked out really well and fortunately when when I got out there everyone you know was just very down to just play all day you know we're there to make songs let's make songs yeah what, what is it like to go into because I'm sure it's probably been a while since you um, played with new musicians that weren't you know Matt or Derek or whatnot. Yeah, it's it's been a while, especially in a studio setting. Like I've done some stuff fairly recently with some other people, like in a revival tour kind of setting or something. But in terms of full band, my songs, it it was weird, but in a great way. You know, yeah. like in an exciting and sort of energetic kind of way. It was like this is fresh and there's a little bit of like nervous tension and anxiety involved and all of that stuff sort of translates to to you know an exciting record yeah. i think it's like a first date and then it's like oh man this goes this is going really well i might you know <laughs> quote unquote score yeah you know um it, it, I, I just turned 34 and this rings a lot in my head is uh, joey cape was saying it's really hard to make friends after 30 but here you are. I can imagine. I, I hope that you know you're touring with these guys. You just made a record with them. Yeah. You're. Uh, you know. You have these new best friends forever. Um, is it hard for you to make friends in life? I think that might just be more Joey has a hard time because I don't have a hard time now. I'm rambling. Um, yeah, I guess I'm not sure. Like, it, it's such a weird thing. There's such a weird blurred line uh, in this touring uh, business. You know where. There's acquaintances, there's friends, there's really good yeah. friends, there's, you know what I mean? And it's like, everyone's kind of a friend. It's like, yeah. oh, that's a friend of mine. It's like, well, is it really a friend? <laughs> like, you know, would you call him at, you know, two in the morning, bail you out of jail kind of friend? Like, Well, I was, I was hoping to get your number in case <laughs> I go to jail tonight. But you know what I'm saying? So maybe yeah. that's, what, that's what Joey's referring to. I can't, I'm not going to speak for Joey, obviously, yeah, yeah. but I mean, like, it's a little harder for me to make friends like at home, yeah. Uh, you know, but. Well, yeah, you live in St. Augustine now. Yeah, and I've made a couple really great friends there since I've lived there. But I've lived there for like eight years, and I've made a you know a couple really great friends. Yeah. And not, you know, but I guess, who you know, I don't. I guess I don't really need more <laughs> than that. I've got. I do have good friends all over yeah. the country, all over the world, and um. And I'm very fortunate about that, but it's. I guess I'm not really looking. Yeah, I I'm guess not, yeah. it's not like a I love you, man" kind of situation for me. So it's funny. I, I watched that movie last night. I oh, watch really? it, I watch it like once a week. It's such a good movie. I just listened to the Jason Siegel uh, yeah. WTF podcast, and it was pretty great. That's why I watched it the other night. Oh, really? And forgetting Sarah Marshall this week yeah. too. Yeah, so good. Um, but I, you know, that's just one of those things. Like, because uh, you did just meet these guys, you're a little bit older, and it's like, oh, hey, everything's clicking, everything's working. Um, and I, I found that for me, maybe it may, I live in a new city. It's I've met 
I've made so many great new friends very easily for me. And it's just one of those things I, I hear from people all the time. Well, I, can't, I don't know how to make friends. Just go up to them and say hi. Yeah. And it's just that easy. Um, but yeah, so here you are. You've got this new touring dynamic. Uh, how, how, how far in are you on these shows? I don't know. Like a week yeah. and a half. Yeah, I should know. A real yeah. professional would know. I mean, I left for rehearsals in Brooklyn a week ago or no two weeks ago tomorrow and made it up to Brooklyn you know on Sunday rehearsed for yeah yeah you know a couple days first show was Tuesday so yeah like a week and a half we've been doing this not one day off yet jeez which is you know a week and a half a lot of people work harder than us but it's like yeah. the driving playing driving playing and then we were supposed to have a day off on Monday but we we got a cool uh, day charter session oh, yeah. booked in and then uh, like a last minute show right next to Day Trotter um, so yeah ended, instead of having a day off ended up playing two sets <laughs> so yeah Sunday will be our first day off and it's it's going to be driving and it's going to be exciting whoa you're fun <laughs> um, that was John so so when you enter into this new kind of uh, environment with these new people traveling um, like today you're by yourself um, but normally you have somebody riding along with you. But well, what, I had John with me. Oh, what well, did you? Sorry, yes. I, just, I didn't meet him. But uh, so, what do you learn about yourself? Like one of those introspective questions by interacting with all these new people. Um, it's I don't know. I mean, I learned that I'm some you know a little bit crazier than I think I am, and then you know the next day I'll be like, oh. I'm not as crazy as I thought I was yesterday. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, it's constantly getting, you know, getting to know new people and seeing how their dynamic is and like, like Jeff and, and John and like what, where they come from is, I don't want to say it's ideologically different from where I come from, but it's, it's a way more punk rock thing, you know? And I, I have no problem saying that as like a 38 year old dude. It's like they're, they're doing something like Jeff is fully involved in like a DIY thing and that's rad and it's it's something that I haven't been like a hundred percent of in a very long time you know with this emergency room stuff I'm very DIY in the sense that I'm writing the songs the last record I've recorded myself you know I design the artwork for the albums I do you know yeah but I still like I like to have a little bit of help so I don't totally go insane <laughs> yeah. you know um, but yeah so I guess you know you just yeah, through learning things about other people, you, you definitely learn things about yourself. It's hard to put a point on exactly what they are, and but it just in terms of like, you know, like I said, holy cow, the floor's coming down. Yeah, I think this is the where they backline, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. Um, so a little bit more about the new record, since that's kind of what we're trying to sell today. No, we're trying to get to know you. I don't know why I put it that way. No, we're um, trying to sell it. Come on. Yeah, right. <laughs> Let's be honest. Double. Here. We're going to charge double after yeah. this. Um, well, no, when you actually do get the Mark Barron episode, then charge the devil. Um, no, but is it a different kind of fulfillment? Like, because you've been working and playing with Matt and Derek for years now. To go out there and do something on your own, does it feel different to have finished this new work, or does it feel the same? Does it fulfill a different part of the brain? Um, yeah. There's a it's lot of different. questions it's, in there, sorry. No, it's cool because, I, I mean, I've sort of getting the best in both worlds in my opinion you know because I, I don't consider this like a side project it's like this is something that I did 
that I wrote, and I mean Jeff, like Jeff definitely produced it and helped me with you know some of the tunes. But this is like, you know, ultimately I could be like, nope, this is how it's gonna be. You know what I mean? This is my thing, and now I'm touring on it the way I wanted to tour on it, with the help of other people. But you know, then I'm gonna get to go back to Alkaline Trio, which is a completely collaborative effort. You know, nothing really happens unless all three of us are at least sort of into it. Um, and you know, that's that's more like writing with other people, and, and it has to be that way because that's how we've always done it, and it just it works. You know, and there, so I get to go and write with two of my best friends, and and make records, and then when I'm not doing that, I can I can have an outlet for anything else that I want to yeah. do. So, and I feel. I'm 100% invested in both. Hell yeah. Yeah. And you were just out here for the past live uh, tour yeah. stuff, um, playing each album back to back. Well, not back to back, but you know. Played them all. Played them all. <laughs> um, what, what do you, um, how does that influence the new stuff? Because you're deconstruction, deconstructing things you wrote as you know a, a kid, basically, and also deconstructing the stuff you wrote as an adult all at the same time. Do you look back on some of those older records, like I look back on your books, and like, what the fuck was I thinking? Or, yeah, yeah, totally. How did, how but does not, that kind of stuff work in its way to the new record too? Um, how does it work its way into the next Alkaline Trio record? Yeah, I guess I asked that question too soon, or into this one now too. Um, well, it didn't really have anything to do with yeah. this record. Um. But it's definitely, and it's not like everything is like cringeworthy or, you know, just awful, but there's things that, you know, like on Goddammit, it's like everyone's favorite, but it's like, I hate the way that record sounds, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I shouldn't say hate it. There's an energy there that I really, that I really love, yeah. but, in, you know, <laughs> the, I hate the way my voice sounds, all the harmonies aren't even harmonies, they're just unison background screaming out of time. It's, you know, it's just crazy. But again, it's like, there was something about it that captured some people's attention and so right. that that made it special it doesn't matter what it sounds like I guess I don't know I'm sure like Tim Armstrong hates the way the Op, Op Ivy albums hate uh, or sound yeah, yeah. I mean but, that'd you be know. crazy to me but it, yeah, <laughs> you're exactly right right you know um, and then of course like you were a kid when you started playing writing and playing music now you're an adult you have a wife you have a kid of your own yeah um, how, do, how does when you look back on those songs as a, a father now, um, is that kid still a part of you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I guess it doesn't really leave. No. But it helps remind, does it help remind you of, of what we're, I don't, I don't know where, I've got an idea where I'm trying to go, but I can't find the words. Um, but remembering that little, that kid, you know, I say kid, 18, 19. Yeah, I mean, I think we have to maintain that you know that because that's where that's where the energy comes from and that's where like the 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 passion or whatever like you know the reminder that we're doing this to write the songs you know we get to do this we're very fortunate and we're doing it for the songs and we're doing it for the catharsis and we're doing it for the the therapy it provides and you know if it was only about business and if if all that was forgotten i think that you know everything would just die you, you know the, the songs wouldn't be good and I mean there's probably a lot of people out there that would argue the songs aren't good anymore but you know they are to us and so and there's still a passion in there too yeah I, I'd like to think so I mean there certainly is with me and with us and you know when I'm in the studio it's it 
you know, and focused on that. And uh, how does a wife and kid factor into, you know, the songwriting? Do you catch yourself writing a song now more about being an adult versus a kid kind of situation? Um, do you catch them being a bigger influence on, on your works? Um, I guess they're, they're a huge influence just because they, they yeah. really help keep me going through just like support and and being um just being so fun and weird and uh you know so it's i don't necessarily write a ton about them but i i do think of them when i'm writing uh just almost as like this sort of um this what I'm, this peripheral inspiration. It might not be what the song's about, but it's like I know I know they're there and I know they're gonna hear it and I want it to be great, you yeah. know, also for them. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and I'll start wrapping it up because I've kept you way too long as it is. Oh, good. Um, so say there's a 16-year-old kid out there who's, you know, a manic, you know, alkaline trio fan or just maybe a Dan fan like I, like I am still. Um, and he's afraid to get up off the couch and like do something, make something happen, you know, like I was when I was that age. Do you have any advice for those kids out there to like to, to, to take that first step? Just to, I mean, not really. <laughs> it's hard, man, because it's hard these days. Like, it's getting harder every day because people, people can be, you know, you can try something, take that first step, get up some courage, and then there could be like 10 kids around watching you on the internet or whatever, just ready to be shitty about it. But you just don't worry about that stuff is I guess all I would say. And, and But more importantly, to find what you, find what you really like. Try different things. Try, yeah. you know, try, you know, reading a different kind of book. Try, uh, you know, skateboarding. Try playing guitar. Try playing, you know, the harp. Just and find something that's that's cool. You know what I mean? If you've never felt like you could draw a good picture, like start drawing pictures every day. Yeah. Just I don't know. I guess step out of your comfort zone. That's good. I like yeah. that. Uh, when your daughter is your daughter going to be a musician? Or are you going to stop that? Are you going to let? I her? can't. I can't stop <laughs> it. It's like a non. It's an unstoppable force. She sings constantly, and I mean constantly. It's rad. How old is she? She's eight. Okay. But I mean, she sings like constantly and unconsciously. Like she has no idea she's doing it. Like I whistle all the time and I don't really know I'm doing it. Uh, But she she sings. Like she sings songs she's making up. She sings songs she hears in movies. She sings like anything she hears. She's like like a sponge. It's crazy. She learns lyrics so fast. And so, yeah, who knows? Maybe. I mean, she's she's playing piano and she loves to sing she's got a drum set she's got access to a lot of guitars <laughs> so I mean that's nothing I'm never going to push it on her but I, I like um, I like that she's interested and so as long as she's interested I'm going to we're going to keep talking about music and then whatever you know yeah it's cool. I, yeah. I can't wait to see. I'm sure you can't either, obviously, what she's going to do. And it's cool to talk to people about their kids and what excites them. What does she like? What is she listening to? Um, she likes all kinds of things she loves. Um, she really likes the Beatles. She cool. likes the Ramones. <laughs> Great. Um, Great starts. She really likes this. I don't know if you've ever heard that band, Always. Um, yeah. They're a Canadian uh, kind of younger indie rock band uh, with a girl singer. 
and I'm I'm really into that, and so she she's gotten really into that because the the girl singer her melodies are so great, and Soph loves to sing along with Always, but you know she also loves Taylor Swift and Lady Gaga and uh, you know Gwen Stefani and No Doubt. Uh, she loves the Killers, like loves the Killers. What does she What does she think of your bands? She likes them. Yeah. Yeah. Does she ever get to see him? Yeah, she always falls asleep. <laughs> like three or yeah. four songs in, she's out like a light. But yeah, because you guys headline. Yeah. You got those late shows. Cool. Um, I think that's about it. The, the new record's out now, An Extra Mile, An Asian Man. Yes. Um, you, how, you have a few more weeks of this tour. What, if people are coming out looking for Alkaline Trio stuff, what should they be expecting? Somebody who doesn't know what to expect from Dan. It's not Alkaline Trio. Yeah. I'm not playing Alkaline Trio songs, because like I said, this isn't yeah. like a side project not, or whatever. Not I've even got that. two records out now, yeah. so I'm, Good. I'm playing those. These are what, that's what I want to hear. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a little different you know it's maybe a little mellower it's more you know it's just a rock band come see a rock show cool and if you want to get crazy that's what jeff is for <laughs> which is great yeah, can't he wait to is see crazy jeff. yeah awesome cheers well, yeah well thanks dan thanks for hanging out and chatting with me my pleasure Woo. thanks man <laughs> buddies dan Thanks for hanging out and talking with me. Talia, Brixton Agency, thank you for setting this up. Mike Park, uh, sorry about all the drunken emails about setting this interview up. Hopefully one day you and me can hang out again and we can really live that uh, night. We did that interview in Denver not long after September 11th happened. Um, again, thank you guys for listening into this episode. I wish I'd really talked to Dan more about his kids. That's usually my forte is getting in and talking about the kids early, gets them to open up. It's a nice little trick. Uh, instead, I went with with my trick of talking to them about uh, about my stupid you know childhood adventure to see Alcalantrio and dismemberment plan and didn't Texas, but uh, you know that's you live and learn. Next time I hang out with Dan, next time I do an interview with Dan, I want to talk to him a lot about his daughter. Um, so believe me, when I listen back to these interviews, I hear all the things I missed and all the things I hit, and I'm happy with this interview. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. I just wish I had been a better Damien. But don't we all wish we could be better Damien's? Okay, nobody actually wants to be Damien. But still, anyway, buddies, uh, thank you for tuning in checking out the show. Please visit mostharmlesspodcast.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Uh, like us on Facebook. I've actually been getting quite a lot of uh, emails from other podcasts that are popping up telling me that I've influenced them greatly. That means the world to me. Again, anybody can do what I'm doing. Please go out there and do it. It's it's. Don't buy the expensive equipment. Buy Zoom, handheld, handy recorder get a Skype subscription and you too can uh, be chatting away with the people you've always looked up to and your heroes. Just put your heart into it and hope. And I, I think people are going to follow. Uh, that's what I've tried to do. So uh, stay tuned Thursday. We've got a new episode up with uh, the Denver comic con wrestling panel with Nathan Lund, Jim Hickox, Gerard Cahey Wayne, Zach Kinsella and pro wrestler Xander Creed. And then next Tuesday, we're going to have our interview up with uh, Jeff Rosenstock. And then next Thursday, I'm going to have an interview up with Joel Patikas. I believe I said that right. The director of the movie Buzzard. Because um, I've got a lot of back episodes cataloged away that we got to start getting out there into the world, folks. Uh, so let's go ahead and end this track. It's a weird track, I think, to maybe end this with because it's not a single, but it's the song that jumps out to me whenever I listen to Party Adjacent by Danny Andronio in the emergency room. It's uh, it's like kind of a weird gothic acoustic song. kind of reminds me of some Tom Waits a little bit, and it's called Plain Old Whiskey. 
It's on the new record, Party Adjacent, by Dan and Johnny on the emergency room. It's out now on Extra Mile and Asian Man Records. I highly recommend it. I actually bought it twice. I bought it on iTunes and not about the LP version of it. That's how much I like this record. So please go check it out. Tune back in next week for our interview with Jeff Rosenstock. And uh, buddies, I'll see you in the funny pages. Take care now. Thank you.